0: Welcome to episode 39 of Together, a Brighton and Albion podcast. Uh, we are coming off the back of a much better week after uh, seeing the Arsenal game just a few moments ago. Um, and we have plenty to talk about in our top five stories of the week. So this, uh, this is going to be a much more enjoyable one than the last couple where I've been trying to cram in double game weeks and all sorts of stuff. So uh, we are at the end of our coming towards the end of the road of uh, our first season um doing this podcast i'm not sure what the summer is going to look like um but i'm going to expand upon that a little bit later uh, probably towards the end of the podcast because some of the rumors that i've heard from the albion might give me something to do so uh let's get straight into the top five stories of the week shall we um story number five was the uh, end of season award show um I always worry that the end-of-season awards or the end-of-season dinner is always a little too early for the Albion uh, because we never seem to be wrapped up by the time we have it. Even in the championship, we never seem to be kind of done by the time we had our uh, our end-of-season awards and it was the same this time. Um, We had them at the beginning of the week and we weren't yet safe uh, and we had a lot of football left to be played against two of the biggest sides in the Premier League. Um, but we pressed on ahead anyway, as always, uh, and like I said in an earlier podcast, uh, it was hosted by Steve Sidwell, uh, and let's go through the, the winners, um, the women's player of the season, Aileen Whelan, uh, honestly don't know a great deal about the women's team or the under 23s um if anybody ever wants to come onto this podcast and talk about the under 23s or the women's team more extensively especially with the women's world cup coming up uh that could be an absolute episode i would love to do over the summer um you only need ask via email twitter or you know whatever you want to do um please do get in touch if you want to do that uh and the young player of the season, given the fact that I don't know a great deal about the under twenty threes either, um, was Connolly. Uh, Aaron Connolly won the young player of the season. Uh, finished off his season at Luton. He actually didn't do a great deal while he was there, but at the same time, he went there while he was injured, and it took a long time for him to get fit again. And by the time he came in, I think Luton had pretty much won the league, so it would have been a bit. It was always a bit destined to be a problem for him. Um, but it's good to get him out and about and I'm sure that he will probably, I wouldn't even be shocked if he was a player that, uh, that that went back to them next year to play a full season in the championship with a team and Luton would be a great place to do that because he's probably going to get starts. Similar to Christian Walton when he went to Wigan. Uh, I think it's his second or third season now with them. And it was a good decision at the time. And, you know, he's played a lot of championship football now. And he is ready for the next step, be it a top-level championship team or sitting on the bench for us if we decide not to keep with steel or button. Uh, Goal of the season award, uh, Anthony Knockhart against Crystal Palace. Not a shock there. Uh, I think there was only really two goals in the running for this one, and it was that or Andone's to put us 3-0 up against Palace at home. Great decision for the goal. What an absolute banger it was. Um, absolutely no complaints there. And in a season where we ain't scored many goals, I think it's now 34 goals in total this season uh, after the one against Arsenal. It was 34 or 33. You know, and there weren't a great deal to pick from um, in terms of worldies, but... It was thoroughly deserved. What a place to do it. What a goal to get. Congrats, knockout. Uh, he apparently made quite an impassioned speech about his love for the Albion. So, you know, I think he'll be here next season. I think he should be here next season. And talking of transfer ins and outs will definitely be something we address either next week or the week after as a kind of wrap up. Um... Player's player of the season. Now, this is this is quite interesting when we get to the main team's uh, big two awards, and that's the player's player and the fan's player of the season. Player's player of the season was Lewis Dunk. Uh, one half of Duncan Duffy, and, you know, f- he had a bit of a blip uh, partway through the season. But, you know, when you're playing at this level and being consistently battered by the top players in the world, uh, attacking-wise, you're going to have a couple of off games. But overall, thoroughly deserved he's been a great player for us this season you know he's he him and Duffy are a massive reason as to why we stayed up um and talking of Duffy uh, let's get straight on to him too because he is uh, the player's player of the season um absolutely no complaints there either I voted for Shane Duffy uh 27 years old he's you know both of them 27 years old you know, they're not getting any, uh, they're still young. They've still got a lot of time to play. Uh, Duffy made 34 appearances this season, dunk 35, um, two goals for Lewis, five goals for Shane, uh, two assists between them. You know, they've only received one red card each um, for the games in their games this year, which is a pretty major outstanding thing, uh, and seven man of the match awards between them, too. Um, I think that they both are... It's a shame you can't just split an award between them, so why not just give them one each? <laughs> uh, I think it was the uh, almost the most obvious um, duo to be getting any kind of major end-of-season awards because both of them clearly deserved it. And, you know, I'm glad that they did. Uh, talking of the Brighton Awards show, there was a couple of, uh, couple of pictures on Twitter absolutely roasting some of the um, decisions... Uh, in clothing that some of the Brighton players made. But, you know, we're Premier League now and we're full of uh, high-profile um, young men who think that they can dress however they want and look fabulous in it. So, you know, all power to them. Do what they want. Uh, they get paid enough money to buy whatever they want. And if they think they look good, I guess that's on them. <laughs> um, story number four. Um, story number four is actually going to be a medley of different things. Um we have signed uh, another new contract with Victor Gaia-Keres. Uh, he has now signed for a couple more years with the Albion. Good decision. Happy with that. Um, I think it's time for him to either go out on loan at a decent-sized club in League One or uh, the Championship, or actually start coming into the first-team squad. Um, it's it's about time he did one of the two. Uh, he you know he played on the left wing a little bit for us and on the right when he. He did make a couple of appearances for the main team uh, around Christmas time. And if uh, Chris thinks he's ready, I think it's time to bring him up full time. And there's no better time than now because the other part of this, one of the other parts of this medley is that uh, Jose Isquieto is going to undergo knee surgery. Um, probably one of the worst kept secrets uh, on the South Coast in quite some time. It's something that I spoke about uh, quite a few episodes ago that it seems to be pretty clear that he needs one. Um you know, people say it was a rumour, but it was more of a obvious kind of thing. Um, so, you know, if we're going to be losing him potentially up until Christmas, then let's just, let's just bring him in. Um, let's see what Gaio Caras can do and see how that can go. I apologise if you heard beeping in the background. That was some van outside deciding to reverse obnoxiously on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, another part of the uh, medley was the under-23s. Uh, they finished third in the Premier League too. Great achievement. Excellent work from the lads. Uh, you know, Connolly, Guy Carrez, a couple of others, Max Sanders, um, and a couple of other players have really stood out this season, from what I can gather. Uh, you know, we were we weren't far off. Well, I mean, we did challenge for the title this season. This is uh, this is an elite kind of youth league, uh, and we are performing amongst the best of them. So, you know, we we've been become we've become a bit of a laughing stock amongst the fans um, in terms of the fact that our development squad seems to be a black hole for talent, uh, but clearly they are talented because they're, they're doing it. Um, so why aren't they making it to the first team is probably the biggest question. Is there that big of a gap between um, that under 23 development and the first team capable players? If there is, then that's probably a bigger problem structurally uh, across England and maybe one that we'll need to look into. But We'll see next season. Uh, I think it's time to start looking to the those youngsters. You know, they've been there long enough. If they're ready, I think it's time to start stepping them up. If they're not, it's time to start uh, distributing them to teams that could use them, be it on permanence or on loan. Um, so, yeah, let's hope that we can, we can decide what we're doing with that. Uh, story number three. Um, story number three is Arsenal. Uh, we just got done. I just finished watching the game. We are legitimately like 20 minutes from full-time um what a performance that was uh, i tweeted just before the game um that chris Hutton, i hope is going to treat these as a blueprint for the future um his job is despite what the media says uh and despite what some of the fans think his job is absolutely uh, being looked at this summer there's no doubt about it uh this this entirety of 2019 has been horrific um, and we really have stayed up uh, thanks to some just a couple of super key results. And we can't make that risk again. We can't take that risk again next season. Um, Thirty five points. Most seasons would be enough to see us go down. Um, you know, we we got away with it this time um, by the fact that there were three teams that were worse than us um, as opposed to us being good enough. Uh so I really hope that we would treat these two games as a blueprint. You know, Bournemouth, Burnley, Watford, these teams, um, can come out and play football and compete with the top six and they don't always win, you know, more, more often than not, they lose actually, but they come away with a bit of respect. Um, and you know, they've played it in the right way and they're showing that they can really cause some problems to these big six teams if they employ the right, uh, the right strategy. And, I was delighted today to see him do it. Uh, the shackles were definitely taken off. I understand that safety was key and maybe that was what caused them to play the way they were. But something else has been going on long term for us to be that poor overall of 2019. Today was not it. Um, you know, we had 11 shots at the Emirates today. Five of them were on target, I believe. Um, you know, we didn't have much uh, possession, but what we did do with that possession was incredibly good. Um, the only bad part of the entire first half, really, was uh, A, the penalty that should never have been given. Um, Nacho Monreal was not touched by Johan Baksh, um, which is kind of unfortunate for Ali Razor because he uh, he got a lot of stick for it and it wasn't his fault. Um, even though the rest of his performance in that first half was absolutely appalling, uh, he actually didn't do a lot wrong in that actual challenge, so I felt a bit bad for him, Um but other than that, yeah, other than the penalty, um, and, and AJ's performance, um, that was the only, uh, they were the only two bad spots of the first half. And Chris Hutton, every credit to him, made that change immediately at halftime, realized that AJ was not playing, um, well at all and swapped him straight out for Knockart. um and it worked because Nocky looked looked lively on the ball he looked he made a couple of excellent touches he tracked back much better than uh, AJ had been doing all 45 minutes of the first half you know he he made that bit of defensive difference that we needed to uh, solidify ourselves um, against the team that were going to inevitably come onto us um, that second half actually they didn't come onto us um, barring the first you know the last 20 minutes when they really started to try and turn the screw and get some Get something against us, but other than that, they were incredibly toothless in that second half. Uh, they actually performed worse than the first, and it, they got their just desserts because we then scored the equaliser. Um, Solly March absolutely burst down that right left hand side. Um, the pace on him was incredible. He fancied himself in a one on one sprint against uh, Granite Xhaka, as he should have, um, beats him to the ball. Jaka clips him on the back of his leg. I'm honestly, I honestly don't think it was intentional. Um, I do think it was an accidental uh, clip, but it was a clip nonetheless, and it was more of a penalty than the other one, that's for sure. Um, but it just was a penalty, full stop. Uh, it was probably a bit harsh um, on the fact that. It was just such a minor thing, but you know, when you're running at that kind of pace, you can't you can't risk taking a touch. And if I was a, if I was uh, looking at that the other way around, um, and you know, I was an Arsenal fan, I would be much more annoyed at Granite Xhaka making such a stupid decision uh, to try and challenge for it, as opposed to the penalty itself, uh, because Xhaka was the problem. And you know, Glenmer's 200th goal um, in his career. What an absolute legend he is. Um, whether he continues to play or not. It's going to be up for debate. I think this should probably be his last year. Um, But again, we're going to get into all that sort of stuff uh, in the next episode or two. Um, So I'm really desperately trying to keep on topic here because I really want to look further ahead, but I'm not going to. My man of the match, probably Shane Duffy. Um, He was absolutely everywhere at the end of that, especially at the end of that game. Um, He was just outstanding. Danding, man, uh, he made five total successful tackles, one interception, ten clearances, four block shots, and only committed one foul all day. Lewis Dunk, his partner in crime and players' player of the season, also had a great game: seven clearances, two interceptions, and a tackle. Uh, and you know Bernardo, who is looks an incredibly talented left back at just twenty three, five tackles, one interception, four clearances, one block shot. Um, and a couple of fouls too i thought that the entire back line were incredible matt ryan made probably half a dozen top saves um i was really happy to see that from him he did incredibly well um, and then on our attacking lineup because it's something where we have been suffering for so long um you know pretty much all year we've we've not been as attacking as we should have Busuma was excellent um, you know, he made a couple of key passes. Uh, he got fouled once or twice. Um, made five successful dribbles. Um, you know, Solly March was also excellent. Um, three shots, two on target. Made a couple of excellent crosses that really caused some problems for them. Uh, got a key pass to his name. Got fouled twice as well. Um, you know, he, he was excellent down that left-hand side. And... You know, with Izquierdo being out probably long-term, he is someone that will definitely be given the chance to continue to grow. He is someone that, uh, at the beginning of this season, was consistently, not just uh, in my opinion, but statistically our worst player on the pitch, playing on the left. Um, And he has grown incredibly over this year. He's probably, well, he is um, our biggest uh, successful project of this season Um, and he has became four times the player he was at the beginning of this year, let alone what he was a couple of years ago. Um, Solly March has developed at only 24 years old into an incredibly talented player. Um, And if you gave him a a slightly more attack-minded manager um, now, now that he's developed so much, um, he would be, I believe, up there on the level of someone like David Brooks from Bournemouth. Um, I think he's good enough to be at that level of uh, game-changer It just depends on whether he gets that opportunity going forward. Um, But overall, I thought we were excellent. You know, the very little complaints. We were probably looking not win the whole thing. Um, You know, we had two opportunities right at the end uh, for Andone to get an assist for an open goal and then score. Um, You know, it was unfortunate that he couldn't make that pass through to Pascal Gross at the end, who was all on his own. Um, Unbelievable. I've never seen Pascal Gross run that fast in my life at the second time you know with barely seconds to go i i don't know why he didn't just continue to make the run um and score you know it was like three on one i think and all he needed to do was run forward and take a shot um but he didn't he kind of dicked around and played a pass and it wasn't even a good one and that was that um i can't decide whether he was uh he has been so drilled into getting the full-time whistle and the point um that he didn't even try and get the goal in case they hit an counter counter attack and the ref allowed it to go and we conceded um, or whether he I, I don't know what went through his brain um, we were we were very close to taking all three points away from Arsenal today uh, I think we were unlucky not to and I think that's a huge huge um, benefit to show how far we've come um, and hopefully we can keep doing it so you know step one of Hutton's uh, audition to stay here next year um, is complete and complete in a very convincing manner. Um, and story number two fades right into that conversation perfectly. Uh, I received an email yesterday, uh, not yesterday, uh, last weekend from David, um, a listener. And uh, he he had a conversation or rather a question um, who at the time um, of the email, I, I, he's probably slightly even more so right now. He is very much a Chris Hutton in person. Um, but he was curious on what the te- what my take or, you know, what our take was on who would replace him if he was gone. Um, there was two discussions really about Huton, whether you want to keep him or not, and who would be replacing him, uh, if you did get rid of him. So we're going to avoid the Huton in or out until the end of the season for me. Um, we will take a look at the possible replacements. Uh, recently uh, David had been on the Brighton Facebook page um, and people have mentioned the following. Uh, I've got about 12 of them here. Um, maybe even more that he meant that he wrote down on a list. Um, and I decided to go through all of them and you know we'll talk about all of them individually and see who we would want as or rather I would want because it's me obviously uh, I would want as a manager of the Albion if we were to move Chris Hutton on. Um Person number one, Chris Wilder, Sheffield United manager. Just won promotion at Sheffield United. Uh, Great manager. Big fan of him. He would never come here now he won promotion. So I'm going to immediately cross that one out. Uh, Again, I like him. I think he's a good manager. I'm actually really quite intrigued to see what he does as a Premier League manager for the first time with Sheffield United. Uh, But he would never come here now. He's just got promotion. Um, And, you know, he could end up being an absolute flop at the top level. So... Is he worth the risk? Maybe. Would he come here? Not a chance. So, next one. Roberto Martinez. Uh, not a chance. Um, would I take him? Yes. I would take him immediately. Um, I think he could definitely keep us up as a Premier League team for quite some time. Um, he is basically a more attacking uh, Chris Hutton in the way that his personality is very similar to Chris's, uh, or at least seems to be. It's just that his style is an attacking format of Chris as opposed to a defensive one. Um, it would be a great replacement if we were to do it, but he is currently manager of Belgium, the Belgium national team, who are one of the most, um, you know, they're one of the top 10 international teams in the world. Um, I can't imagine he would ever come um, unless he was fired. And, you know, I think bigger teams than us would probably be going in for him. Um, Would I take him? Yes. Will he come in? No. Next. Claudio Ranieri. uh, No, thank you. Performed a miracle um, at Leicester City. You know, he got a good couple of results for Fulham, um, but seems almost too much of a nice guy. Um, Hewton is also a very nice man. We know this. We hear it every week. Um, I think we need someone with a little bit more metal if we are going to bring in a new manager. Uh, And I don't feel like Claudio Ranieri fits that bill. Um, I think he's probably more prone to lose the dressing room than Hutton will. So that's a big fat no from me. Um, Next man, Rafa Benitez. Yes, please. I think this is a realistic decision. Yes, he would play defensive football too. I do think we actually have a chance of getting him. If Bloom wants him, I think he could get him. He's unhappy at Newcastle. Yes, bigger clubs would probably come in for him. But I think if Bloom has the right conversation, offers him the right budget, and offers him the right investment, I think Rafa would come. It would be our biggest managerial appointment ever, clearly. Um, and I think he would keep us up easily. And honestly, if I had to pick or pin my my sticker to any manager coming in, it's it's him. Um because I think he's realistic. I think he's an upgrade, and I think he would do the right. He would play the right way that the Albion fans want to see. And I think he could, he could cultivate some incredible talent with people like Vizuma, um on the team. And it would also become apparent to him very quickly whether people like uh, Ali Reza are good enough for the Premier League. So for me, he is a big fat yes. He is a number one on the t- on the want list. Uh, if Chris Hutton leaves this season Um, yes next man I'm going to take a sip of water while I look at who was next Nathan Jones no thank you Uh, come back to me in five years when he's had some further managerial experience especially at higher level did some great stuff with Luton Uh, they went up when he left anyway was it Luton that were just fantastic, or was it Nathan Jones that cultivated them to be? We don't know. Uh, he hasn't done the same with Stoke yet, but again, he hasn't had much time. Uh, come back to me in a couple of years when he's had a chance to develop. Would he come to us? Yes, I think he would. Would he be uh, a good manager? Let's. F- we don't know. Uh, too much of a risk. Next man, Lee Johnson. Um, this is probably one of the most intriguing ones for us. Uh, could we get him? Absolutely. Bristol City didn't make the playoffs this year. Very close, uh, but they didn't make it. Um, could he make it in the Premier League? Um, and the biggest question, not only that, if if we couldn't, if he could not make it in the Premier League, would we be willing to stick with him if he took us down? Um, he would be a project of a manager, um, and it depends if Bloom is willing to take that sort of gamble on someone who is unproven at this level. Um, Would I take him over Houghton right now? Probably not. Um, Because I just, it's too much of a gamble for me. Um, And Bloom's the poker player, so I'm sure he would know, he would make it maybe, I don't know what decision he would make. Um, The most intriguing of the names, I think, because it would be a real interesting decision if we did decide to do something like that. Uh, David Wagner, no thank you. Uh, yes, he committed absolute miracles for Huddersfield on his first season to get them up. Uh, but I think it was just as much momentum of the feel-good feeling as it was him. Um, also, rumors of him going to Schalke, which is an unbelievable appointment for him if he manages to back that job, despite their struggles currently in the Bundesliga. Um, but no, thank you. I, I don't want him. Um, he can't do it at the Premier League level. Uh, we, I didn't see enough from Huddersfield to convince me that he would be good enough here um, Darren Moore no thank you uh, similar to Nathan Jones nowhere near enough experience at top level management um, doesn't play the football we want to see uh, as fans I guess uh, he's almost just like a less successful Hewton. Um you know Nathan Jones does play more attacking football which is why I'm not going to say he's like a he's but he's very similar he's he is a defensive minded Nathan Jones um, so the same reason I gave to, uh, Nathan Jones is the reason I'm giving here. No, thank you. Come back to me in five years. Uh, but he's not, not, not right now. No way. Uh, Gerald or Gerard or Lampard? Um, both in the same sentence. No, thank you to both. Um, I want Brighton to stay Brighton. I don't want Brighton to be Frank Lampard's Brighton. I don't want Brighton to be Steven Gerrard's Brighton. Uh, The team are what matters not the manager and the entire thing would be a circus for the entire year Um, and plus they don't have anywhere near enough of the managerial pedigree that they need um for me to feel confident in them taking us to a next level um We don't know what they're going to do. You know, sure, Lampard's had a very good season uh, at Derby. Let's see how they react in the playoffs. If he comes up, it wouldn't matter anyway. Um, But it would give us a hell of a good indicator to see how he manages Derby in the Premier League. Steven Gerrard? No, he manages in Scotland. It's a joke league. Not interested. Next question. Uh, Philip Koku? He's currently out of management, according to Wikipedia. Last at Fenerbahce. Um... He, he stands out as another very intriguing decision and probably more of a Tony Bloom appointment than most of the others on the list. Um, he would be a foreign version of Lee Johnson, in my opinion. Um, would you be willing to take the risk? He could end up being the next Mourinho. He could end up being the next Claudio Ranieri in his prime, um, or he could end up being the next Frank de Boer with Palace and Sinkas without a trace. Um, would you be would Bloom be willing to take that risk? Maybe, um, maybe I really don't know. It's gonna that that one is uh, like I said. It's just it just seems like an international version of Lee Johnson, and it just depends on whether we would be willing to invest in that project uh, and give him time to see it out. He managed Ajax for a long time. Um, and had them playing some excellent football and you know he this is an Ajax team that are currently going to a Champions League final most likely um and how much of that is down to for 5 or 6 years of Koku's management uh, probably a good chunk of it um so would we take him i don't know uh would he be would he be a risk massive um and how would he turn out who knows you know the Dutch league is the weirdest one ever because you can get you can get a Memphis Depay or you can get a Rube Van Nistelrooy you can get a Robin van Persie you can get an an Ali Razor. you just don't know which one you're gonna get. Um, next one Jokanovic no thank you uh, couldn't do it at Fulham wouldn't be able to do it for us uh, doesn't have the right attitude for a Brighton manager in my opinion he would not work well with Bloom. Next question uh, Gus Poyet. This is the last one on the list. Would I take Gus Poyet back as Brighton manager? If you took away all of the uh, angst that Bloom and Poyet have with each other and you somehow had them get along and made up as if none of it happened, the big fallout that they had, um, and gave him a budget and gave him time to invest in this squad, yeah, I think I'd take him back. And that's definitely a together BHA controversial opinion that may get me panned. Uh, My viewership may plummet. My listenership, rather, I suppose. But there, I said it. Um, I would take him back under the right circumstances without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Number one story of the week. We are moving on to our last game of the season. We are safe. We are no longer in danger of relegation. Cardiff City got beat by Crystal Palace 3-2. Could have been beaten 7-2. They really did not perform when they needed to. Um, it was a hell of a performance from Palace, uh, which is bizarre to kind of praise, but it is what it is. We're safe. I'll I'll allow it. Um, and we've just played spoiler um, in part one of two. Arsenal were pushing for a Champions League spot, and we just brought that to an end. Um we just played a massive spoiler role and can we do it again on the biggest stage of them all at the MX Stadium against Title Chase in Manchester City? If we can hold Manchester City to a draw, Liverpool probably win the league. Uh, I think they probably win their last game of the season. If we you know, if we beat Manchester City, Liverpool probably win the league. Um, Manchester City are coming into town needing a win to cement themselves as champions of the Prem I am so excited for this game because playing spoiler to Arsenal is always fun because their fans are so annoying and Arsenal fan TV is just unbelievably ridiculous stuff Um, but being able to take the title away from Manchester City on the last game of the season would be, god how satisfying would it be you know, we've been absolutely terrible in 2019, but to look back on it and think we're safe with two games to go. We've just stopped Arsenal making it to the Champions League, single handedly taking them out of the race. We made it to an FA Cup semi final where we didn't get embarrassed. We took six points off of Palace. Glenn Murray scored 100 goals for the club this year. And we could steal the title from Manchester City's grasps and place it in Liverpool's hands. Uh, You know, I I would prefer to see Liverpool win it just because uh, they ain't won it in so long and I'm a fan of something different. But more so than anything else would just be the satisfaction of us being the spoiler. Um, I think if we play how we did today against Arsenal, we have a hell of a chance to. Um, We played in the exact right way. We showed all the defensive prowess that we are capable of over the last two years in the Premier League. Um, and we showed a real attacking intent that we have not showed for the last eight months. If we can combine those things into more consistent performances across the entire season next year, uh, if we keep Hutton, we're looking at a mid-table finish. Honestly. But consistency and that willingness to play that way con- constantly... Um, is a whole other ball game. I can't wait to see what goes on. Uh, I absolutely am so excited to see if we can steal that title off him. Uh, I really hope we can. Next week, we will be covering the Manchester City game in our top five stories of the week. We will be covering Chris Hewton in or out. We will be covering uh, potential transfers in and out. and then the following week, I'm going to try and get a couple of guests on to cover their end of season reviews uh, and do a full end of season review. Our player of the season, um, you know, all of the good stuff. Uh, and then it's a case of what next, right? We have three months without anything. Um, rumors are pretty heavy that Albion may well be coming to the USA this this summer. Um I'm very excited by that news and if so I will be there. Um, so I will definitely be able to provide some pretty serious podcast material there. Uh, you know I will be aiming to try and get some conversations with anyone who will have me. Um, so you know it's something that we'll, keep a, we'll put a pin in and see what happens. Um, you know the rumors are Boston maybe, New York maybe. Um, I've seen it all over Twitter over the last six months and quietly noted them down just in case it actually comes to pass. Um, you know, you, you read all sorts of rumors uh, on Twitter. You never know which ones are accurate and which ones are not. Uh, Albion could just as easily be going to Dubai and never get anywhere near the USA because that's another rumor I've also seen on Twitter. <laughs> um, but with the influx in US fans um, and a couple of them really coming to the social media forefront, uh, Andy in particular... Um, I think that it would be a really good, clever marketing move for the Albion to come over and play a couple of games. Uh, Paul Barber, take note. You love making money. You love marketing the Albion. Think about it. Get over it. You know, it makes sense. Um, so I'll see you all next week. It's been a pleasure. Let's see if we can steal the title from Manchester City's grasp. Until next time, be safe.